Gang, you know, I'm a little bit depressed. Football, yeah, it's over. But the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they're in full swing. Baseball's ramping up. The only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline, it even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine, and it's pretty fun. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, hey, gang. How are we doing? I am so happy you're here. Thank you very much for taking the time. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening and following us on social media at all of our outlets at Nick Hardwick. I'm also we are also at hardwick.life. We love your interaction, the feedback that you give through those outlets and through email. Now, here's something that I want from you. I want more of your feedback. Actually, I want to give you guys exactly what you're here looking for topics you want covered, people you want interviewed, questions you want answered that will help you live a better, more fulfilling life. I'll reach out to the people and get the topics covered and the questions answered. So I want to do what I think a lot of times is often overlooked in the podcast game. I want you to tell me what you want. So seriously, email me directly. I'm at, my email address is nick at nickhardwick.com. If you write me, I promise I will write you back. Thank you very much. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hardwick.life. It's the home of the Lose Like a Lineman program. If you haven't heard of the Lose Like a Lineman program and are interested in losing weight, get your butt over to the website. We're at Hardwick.life. It's like Hardwick.com, but that domain name was already taken, so it's Hardwick.life, and it's kind of fitting. And if you don't know already, I designed the Lose Like Alignment program for my personal weight loss journey six years ago, and it was the sole reason that I lost 85 pounds in five months. It went viral. There were features on Sports Illustrated, ESPN, LA Times, Business Insider, CBS Sports. I knew my transformation was special, but after countless emails asking for my secret and direct messages and giving it on these one-off occasions, I decided it was just time to package it up and give it to the world. So as of this year, the program officially went public and it's helped hundreds of men lose weight every day, women too. And I'm not talking just a few pounds. We're talking real results here, people like John Zenser, who you heard a little while back on the podcast, lost a hundred pounds in seven months, super inspiring. Or Joshy, who lost 30 pounds in the first six weeks. That's not uncommon, guys. Listen, this isn't a little vegan diet, no juice cleanses, no bunny food. I mean, although if you're vegan or keto or whatever, it accommodates those. We're talking just real food for real people. And if it could be assembled by a former offensive lineman, knucklehead like me, I'm telling you, you can do it too. And on top of that, the workouts are realistic. They don't take more than four to 16 minutes every other day There's no room for excuses. Not only that, but this program easily integrates into a very busy life from the comfort of your home. You can lose weight fast. No expensive gym memberships, no equipment needed. The hell are you waiting for? That's right. You may be waiting for the right time. Let me be real with you. There is never a perfect time to do anything. You're always just one decision away from real results. And it's not like the program is hundreds of dollars either. For the price of a dinner for two, you can change your life forever. Now listen to this. I'll even motivate you a little bit more. 
For the next 24 hours, you can use the coupon code PODCAST20 to get the program for 20% off. That's PODCAST20 for 20% off. So what are you waiting for? Get over to hardwick.life and use the code PODCAST20. And we'll get you onto the show. All right, gang. Welcome into the Hardwick Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Hardwick. Joining us today is Reese Humphrey. He's a retired American freestyle wrestler. He hails from the great state of Indiana. Actually, Reese went to the same high school as me in Indianapolis, Lawrence North High School. He amassed a 177 and seven record, 177 and seven. He won three individual state championships, two team state championships. Unfortunately, we didn't get a share of the wrestling room because Reese was four years younger than me, but I get, I did get a share it with his older brother, Jordan and his dad, Jim, who helped coach us. And Jim was himself a world silver medalist in 1977. And he was awesome to learn from. So Reese went on to wrestle at Ohio state. He finished second in the 2009 NCAA tournament, third in 2010, He's a three-time U.S. Open champion. He has represented the U.S. team three times on the world team. He's the father to a boy named Parker and a girl named Reese. We'll definitely talk about them. They're pretty awesome. Follows themselves on Instagram. I love watching what they're doing. So pretty cool stuff. He is currently the head coach of the New Jersey RTC. I believe that's Regional Training Center, which is a wrestling program and co-author of the program, How to Become a Freak Athlete, along with Dustin Myers of Old School Gym in Ohio. That's a pretty cool group to follow as well. So check them out. Reese and his family, they're really fun. You can see everything he's got going on. You can learn about his fitness program by following him at Highlight Humphrey. He's got all of the links to everything he does in his bio. Let's welcome in Reese Humphrey. We made it. We did it. (laughs) What's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, excited to be talking to you. Yeah, no kidding. I've followed your story for a long time and it's uh it's about time we get on the same page. Yes. So it's super cool. I, I remember watching you actually as a the first time I saw you wrestle was at like the Craig Invitational. The Craig middle school. The Craig it was the Craig Invitational. And I remember the whole high school was there watching and we were, and everyone was like, That's Reese Humphrey right there. And it was like, holy crap, some of the stuff you were doing. I think it was like sixth grade, seventh grade. I was like, look at this dude go. Yeah, I know it's crazy because that's right when I started wrestling. I just had the feel, I guess. Maybe my is dad it? coaching me. Yeah, I started in sixth grade, which is pretty late for guys who who make it. But yeah. my dad was like one to never really push us into it, which was great for me. I'm trying to do that with my son right now, trying not to push him, even though, of course, I want him to wrestle. But well, I want it to be his choice. And my dad did a great job of making it my choice. And uh, so, I mean, I'm sure he was teaching me stuff when I was wrestling around with my brother in the living room. But I mean, sixth grade, that was all feel, I guess. I was ready to go. Wow, that's see, it's crazy to me because it is true that most of the guys who do make it start when they're like five years old. And it's like a war of attrition almost. Like you start early and you last long. And that's kind of the a lot of parents do that with their kids now, specialization, early specialization. And for me, it's it's like robbing them of other cool experiences that they could be having. And then like, I think you lose a little creativity when it comes to when you finally hone in on that one sport. So nailed it. I mean, man. You can't, you can't decide what someone's going to be. And like the, the percentage of guys that actually make it is so small to determine what sport they're going to do and that they're going to make it. 
I, I see it so often that these guys, these kids that win the Tulsa Nationals and these other youth national tournaments that are extremely competitive, they don't, they disappear all the time. All yeah. the time, these dudes burn out. They don't like it. They hate their dad. They move away. And I'm like, <laughs> I have no part of that. I want nothing. I see so many of these kids, they choose colleges that are farther away from their family so they can have a little bit of a break from that. And I just like, I don't want to be that at least being authentic. And that's not me. So I, I'm, I stay as far away from forcing him to do anything. And uh, I mean, my boy is starting to become athletic and coming to his own. He does a lot of flips and things like that. He did a triple backflip the other day. Triple. I saw that. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> was so I'm like, I'm just letting him spread his wings and fly and see what he can do on his own because when they enjoy something it it comes so much easier they put the work in without asking them it doesn't feel like work and it's then play. Yeah, it's play man it's, and that's what it's all about like he knows how to fall he's not going to get hurt and then when we take him to practice I just make sure he goes enough to where he's not too far behind if he decides that that's what he wants to do Oh, cool. I like that concept. So Savage Boy Parker. Yes. Is that that's him on Instagram. I was showing my my boys the other day because I get a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. How old is he? He's 10. Just turned 10. It's it's so crazy to watch him do what he's doing. I mean, triple backflip. It's like, you know, in and I thought the what I follow his account because he's just super it's rad to watch him do that and it's like you know where he started he i think he had a post recently it was like where he started in january and then where he's at now at the beginning of 2020 that was january 2020 and where he's at now 2021 it's crazy to see the progression but he's obviously he's committed and he loves it that's what it is and it's fun for five six hours a day and is he he loves it all day, every day. And that's how you get, make games like that. He just loves it. And uh, it's like, it's, he's asking me to be out there all the time. And I, I'm old. I'm too old. To be <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old to be slamming on my neck like that. Cause he'll slam on his neck and he's a kid. He's like rubber. He just bounces yeah. right back up. It's like, it doesn't hurt down. I'm like, well, it hurts dad. It does hurt. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, you know, I've been tugged on a few times here. Yeah. It's like all, it seems like all wrestlers have bad necks. That's I'm dealing with it right now. It's like messing up my shoulder, my neck, my back. I can't sleep. Like a life of com- combat sports, it'll get you. <laughs> yeah, that's I know that ended up ending my football career was my yeah. neck. But I tell you, it started in high school because just tugging on it all the time. And I remember at one point I had like pinched nerves everywhere and I couldn't move. And that was kind of the the start of the neck issues and then kind of went from there. Reese, tell me your, your wife, Meredith, she just had a double mastectomy. She's, I was stole this from your IG account. She had a genetic mutation of the BRCA2 gene. Uh How's she doing? And how's everybody else in the family doing? She's doing well, you know, as well as, as can be, we have a good support system here. We try and keep it light. And even though there's a very serious thing going on, she did what she had to do uh, because with the BRCA2 gene, that mutation, what the mutation does is it, it, when you don't have the mutation, that gene, the BRCA gene suppresses cancer growth. Okay. And so without it, if you get cancer, it takes over. And with the mutation, you also have like a 90 to 95% of getting breast cancer. So wow. she just had the double mastectomy and that threat is pretty much gone. She has other things that, that come with it, but for the immediate, like her sister had breast cancer at 36, she's 35. So it was like immediate, we got to get this done. And uh, she got it done and now she's recovering nicely. I mean, it has its ups and downs. It's, it was very painful. 
and it was painful and the emotional toll is pretty stressful. But, um, I mean, with, with me by our side, making her laugh all the time helps. The kids are super supportive and we're hugging on each other. They're soft hugs right now, but, yeah. uh, yeah, but we're, we're doing good. She's doing great. You're not popping around the corner and scaring her right now. are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know you went through a little phase where you just kept sneaking up on her and scaring her. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I had to hold off on that for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah. What was that decision-making process like? Was it, was it, I mean, you said 90 to 95%, was it even a, well, a hard decision or was it one that was well, yeah, kind of, it was the easiest, extremely tough decision you can have. Right. Right. She knew it was no choice. She had to get it done. Her dad's a doctor. He's a vascular surgeon in Ohio. So once she called him, he, he knew what to say. He knew it was a, a, a no brainer. It's what you have to do. But on the other hand, you know how intense it's going to be. And uh, it kind of worked out well for us because we found out about a year and a half ago and then COVID happened and she couldn't get it done. They, they changed okay. it from, from uh, necessary surgery to almost elective in that time. And yep. so she had a long time to think about it, which was pretty stressful. It was just like a weight hanging over her. But by the time it was ready for the surgery, she was so prepared and mentally ready to get it done because we had so much time to think about it that uh it i think that helped her a little bit mentally and uh i mean she was ready to go she went in and got it done and now it's just recovery process it's going to be a long process but uh, i'm I think sure doing well with it yeah and you guys are a tough family and and build your family up that way and probably take pride in that so i mean there's yeah. I, I think when you're tough people you're just more resilient to when life happens right and, yeah and things and are all, always going to happen and it always will happen, right? And, and we've had some things that can change people's lives, but it's like, well, what do you do next? You know, what's the next best move for you? Go ahead and do that. It makes, it makes life less stressful. And these things that weigh heavy don't feel as heavy when you just do what the best thing you can do in the moment. And I think we do a real good job of that. She does it, especially super tough. Reese, back it up a little bit. I, I've been, I told you, I've been a fan of yours since I saw you wrestle for the first time. Unfortunately, we didn't get to share a wrestling room together, although I did get to wrestle with your brother, wrestled with yeah. your dad. Your dad, by the way, super sneaky because he would come in. I don't know how old he was when he was in the room with me, but yeah. legendary wrestler himself, but he would come in and we'd be wrestling and he'd be huffing and puffing. And it was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know. This this old guy's not gonna make it right here. And then all all of a sudden it was like he was using that to lull me to sleep. And then he'd hit me in some throw and I'd be like, Oh my god, I'm on my back. Like I thought you were exhausted. I thought yeah. I was trying to save you here, and all of a sudden I'm getting tossed around. I was like, You're sneaky, dude. Yeah, he probably was just tired. <laughs> <laughs> but but he had an incredible I'm sure he was, but he had an incredible way of just blocking uh -huh. it out and pushing right. through it. And it, that was a great lesson for me it's like it doesn't really matter how you feel right like the work is the work is here to be done right typical wrestler and so my dad was a world silver medalist so he's second in the world championships and then he coached two olympic teams once for canada in 84 and then for the u.s in 88 he was the head coach for the olympic team so i mean he knows his way around the mat yeah <laughs> i'm sure he was tired because he was probably 50 or something like that when you yeah. got in the room 50 something and a funny little story is when I was 16, I was going to get ready to win my first state title. He had me convinced, and this is something I use to this day when I'm coaching my guys, he had me convinced that I could beat him. And as you know, 
I, if you couldn't touch him, I would have no shot weighing 112 pounds. You know, yeah. so he had me convinced. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm about, to, I could beat my dad up. I'm going to kill everybody. And then, like, a week after the state tournament, he pinned me 20 times. So I'm like, <laughs> he's oh. like, now it's time to go. <laughs> I see. Yeah. But he, like, let me have that confidence. And I mean, it's such a, a good thing in coaching to be able to drop your ego. And I have guys that, I compete with uh, that are kind of on our level. And one guy is Tyler Graff, who just got fifth in the world. And, uh, and we did that same kind of process. I'm a little bit bigger than him. Uh, I've got a little more experience on him and I can beat him up. But towards that, I would let him get closer and closer. And up until the world championships, I started to let him win. And then afterwards, I did the same thing, and I whooped him after. He's like, man, I'm having a bad day. I'm like, no, nah, man, I was, I was playing you a little bit. <laughs> And he'll look on his face. He's like, no way. But, dude, that confidence is so huge when you're out yeah. there. If you really think that you've made those gains, like sometimes it becomes a real thing. And, uh, I mean, my dad did that, and I'm passing it on. And it, do- it is tough, man, to give up a takedown and have them really think that they got you. But yeah. it, if you're really trying to win at coaching, sometimes dropping the ego is the way to go. Yeah, you got to sell it a little bit. So take us through your journey from high school wrestler to Ohio State to competing on the world stage to where you're at now. So three-time state champ, national champ in high school, and that got me to Ohio State, got recruited, and which was awesome. So throughout my whole career, like from once I won the state title as a sophomore, I got front row tickets to Ohio State football games whenever I wanted. <laughs> so nice. we'd be like 50 yard line down there third row we got to see the game up front and then i'd get to school i'm like man the games are so fun to go to and i would end up going up like the top upper decks i'm like this is yeah, <laughs> yeah what happened what happened to the recruiting process yeah. what happened to that so i went to ohio state loved it uh was a, why'd you choose ohio state well uh, it's crazy because we weren't they weren't good when i went there yeah we at the time they weren't like 11th or i had signed with them and my dad was getting ready to coach there too, which was played a role. Uh, gotcha. I knew my partners were going to be very good, which in wrestling is individual. As much as it's a team sport, it's, it's more individual. And so I knew the two or three guys right around me were going to be very good as well. And I was going to be able to have, have uh, the coaches eyes on me too. Um, so we, and then I went to the big tens to watch and they got 11 out of 11. And I was like, Oh no, maybe, <laughs> maybe I blew this huge decision. But ended up the guys right around me both won the NCAA title. The guy above me was a national runner-up. I was national runner-up. And, um, and it ended up working out. We got second in the NCAAs one year, and then they won the year that I left. And so uh, it ended up being amazing. And uh, I went to Ohio State, was a couple-time All-American, uh, won a couple university world medals, which uh, second and third at the university worlds, which is 26 and under. And then, um, then my senior career, I trained at Ohio State for the for the whole the whole duration of that. And I was on the world team three times, once in 2011, once in 2013. So right around London, which sucks, right? Like trying to yeah. explain how good I am at wrestling to people who don't know. Like, did, so you were on the Olympic team? I'm like, no, just the same. I beat the same guys the year before, the year after, but nope, alternate for the Olympic team. Uh, and then the guy that beat me, so, so I beat the guy that was on the team in 11 and in 13, and he won a bronze medal. So it's like I, we were all right oh. there. There was a couple of us that could yeah. have made the team. We had some Who was it? Matches. So Coleman Scott was the guy that I beat. Yeah. 
um, and was a bronze medalist. And then there's Sean Bunch actually trained with me and we were one, two, three. And then a Logan, a guy named Logan Steber, who's uh, one of the best, he was world champion and he was at Ohio state too. So we had best training situation ever with Sean Bunch, myself and Logan Steber, who won I'm the NCAAs four times. We were ranked one, two, four in, in the same weight to make the Olympic wow. team. So decent uh you got to have some good guys in the room to be able to handle that situation yeah. which is, it's kind of it's interesting like people tend to shy away from each other we went right at each other and we we're in the same room and we wrestled each other every day and it took us to a level above the rest of the field except yeah. for one guy i thought we were a lock to make the olympic team at least our location but right. you know, that guy had a great day coleman had a great day he's a great guy too <laughs> But um, and then like right before the, the U.S. Open, before the Olympic trials, we'd stay away from each other for a month or six weeks. But the, the, the gains from wrestling with each other outlasted the, the everybody else trying to stay away from each other and play the st strategy game. And so uh, it was uh, pretty interesting doing that, too. So I was on the world team three times, traveled the world. And now I'm into coaching. Uh, 2016, I retired. And uh, I'm into coaching and I got coach of the year in my second year out, which is pretty crazy. Nice. That's <laughs> yeah. huge. So, That's yeah, huge. My dad and I are the first father son to win that award, which is pretty cool too. I'm the youngest wow. ever to win it. And we did and it. Were you out in, were you out in California when you did that? So I went to Cali for two years to coach uh, one of the better clubs. Uh, it's mainly youth though, high school, high yeah. school guys, but uh, the club that was my I was associated with is one of the main sponsors for senior level athletes. So still kind of affiliated with freestyle wrestling. And then uh, basically through social media, I got the job that I have now, which is the NJRTC New York, New Jersey regional training center. And, uh, and I got together a bunch of misfits. We call it, we called us ourselves the bad news bears. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think just because I was kind of that way, I'm a little rough around the edges sometimes and I like to have fun. And we we built this team with some guys that were kind of having a hard time finding a home. And we put two on the world team and those guys got fifth and ninth and helped Team USA get the bronze medal. So it was like such a crazy run and to do it that quick. And then I ended up getting coach of the year. So it was pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing. So the RTC, what age group are you guys serving? We're Is it all seniors? Yeah, it's it's two colleges. So I work with Princeton University and Rutgers University. Yep. And so we have all the college guys in there, but I am the coach of the postgrad guys. That's my cool. job, the senior level guys, guys trying to make world and Olympic teams. And some of those guys are on staff for Princeton, one guy's on staff for Rutgers. And um, so I'm their coach and they're coaching the team, but I'm also coaching the college guys as well. And our guys use them as training partners because you can't just beat up the elite versus elite all the time. You need some guys right. who can, can do some extra techniques, huh? What's the uh, the difference in level between the seniors and the guys in college? I, I'd like to have the, I guess, if I were a wrestler, I'd like to have the body of a college guy, but the uh, the brains and the yeah, right. the knowledge yeah. and, and the savviness of the seniors. Yeah, exactly. So I think your peak age would probably be around like 26 to 30 okay. in college, because then you're still pretty young, but you you have that knowledge because I feel like I know the most wrestling. I'm the best technical I have. I I've been ever, but I don't have the capability to train twice a day, every day yeah. without being too beat up. 
because I, I still feel like I could do the six minutes. I could wrestle a tournament, but the training that leads up to it is it's kind of brutal. Every once in a while, I'm like, I still got it. And I do two weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't got it. man. <laughs> and it's possible. There's guys that do it that are under 35, but it's just not, not for me. <laughs> yeah, I did it. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's all sports, right? It's like, you could only do it as long as you can stay training to yeah. the level that you need to be training. And that's, yeah. That's why guys fall off in their thirties. You have to really be hungry to want to do wrestling, specifically wrestling. I'm sure anything elite level, but wrestling is we're the one combat sport that goes live every day. And it's, uh, it's, it's taxing. I'll tell you what it is, but also I'm in there as much as I physically can. I love it. I can't say go without slapping someone's hand and trying to put my hands on them. And it just, right. it helps when I'm trying to show them something. Like if I'm teaching a technique, it's hard to teach these senior level guys because they do so many things so well. You have to kind of explain the why, why should you do this? Why is this better than what you're doing? But if I can do it to them four or five times, they have to listen. Yeah. <laughs> like you got <laughs> to right. hear me at this point, right? It's yeah. Good. So it helps the process. So it's like, if I get tired of them, saying no to me or getting frustrated. I just put my hands on them. (laughs) (laughs) Let me show you this. Yeah. Yeah. Let me show you. It works. (laughs) That's it's brilliant. I was, uh, Hey guys, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay, whether rear dead stock or the latest release, you can find the exact shoe you're looking for. You can find anything you're looking for at eBay. Really. I find all of my technical equipment there for the podcast, a lot of workout equipment, but as the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Your sneakers are meticulously inspected by the independent professional authenticators, a team of experienced sneaker authenticators, verify the box, logo stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, if you're a seller, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and up, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. That's eBay. One of the things backing up to the Olympics is there's how many guys are on a team? It's like seven weight classes? It's yeah. something so six, incredibly six condensed. The and then 10 for the world championships, which are six for the Olympics. Six. Yeah, yeah. that's it's So great. then you got this funnel coming from like three weight classes yeah. into one weight class, which so team USA has five world champions going for three spots. So we're going to be the trials because basically the Olympic finals for some of these guys. Oh yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, what, how do you feel like it? Cause right now you're in the, I think the hot New Jersey, at least growing up, was like, if I could get a New Jersey team singlet, right? Like, that was the one. It was like, give, me that, yeah. give, me, that, give me that freestyle New Jersey yeah. singlet. Uh-huh. It was like, for such a small state, put out so many wrestlers. I feel, and I don't know if it's still the hotbed or not. What's yeah. the overall health of the state of the sport? And do you see it being fine? I know there was a uh, an, an issue in, what was it, a one Olympics ago, two Olympics ago, where they were yeah. like, no, we're taking it out. And then the wrestlers spoke yeah. up and said, you can't yeah. take out the original sport, which right. is makes sense to me. What's the, yeah. 
status of the sport. How's it doing? It's all good. They got cleared for 20 and 24, 2024, for those Olympic games. And then, I mean, it was kind of once they crossed that, they were going to take out wrestling. And I remember being, I think I was in Belarus when they were making that decision. And we're like deciding if we're going to keep training or not. Like what's going to happen? We There's no Olympics. It's like 2015 and we're going to decide on Rio if it's happening or not. Oh, and wow. so, uh, and we were all huddled around this little phone that had the little service that, cause we were in Belarus. There's only a few places <laughs> Wi-Fi where we were. And, uh, and then it ended up passing. We were good. We were on the chopping block. Wrestling was back in for 2024. And they said, once we're back in, it's good for a long time. Uh, but yeah, that was a pivotal moment. And then for in the domestically, Jersey's probably top five, like PA is probably number one, Ohio, Iowa, Jersey, California, and uh, yeah, Jersey's a good place to be. Princeton and Rutgers are on the rise. They're doing a phenomenal job. I stepped in right at the right time. It looks like I had a part to do with it. <laughs> maybe, I did, maybe I didn't, <laughs> but uh, I'm having fun riding it. I'm in a good spot. Have you heard of a guy, Zach Evanish? He was at one point, he was, Zach was doing like strength and conditioning for the Rutgers wrestling team and okay. Lehigh. I think he was out at Lehigh yeah. as well. Uh-huh. I just had him on the podcast and he's, awesome. yeah, he's a former wrestler, not, not on the world stage, but yeah. he loves training wrestlers. He's like, they're the hardest dude. They're yeah. just, <laughs> they, they do what they need to do. They get the work done. It's awesome. You talked about being over in Belarus and you got to travel the world. Yeah. Which, what was that experience like? And, and what was it like? What were their fans like? What were the crowds like? And, I mean, those places, it yeah. seems to be Middle East, Asia, it seems to be thriving there. Yeah, the sport it's, does. It's a totally different experience over there. And that's the main thing I miss about COVID happening. And we can't travel. And yeah. so, we, I mean, I used to go overseas at least four, four times a year, maybe I'd say every two or three months and maybe more. And we'd be over there for a week. And I'll tell you what, coaching is even more fun <laughs> because I actually do stuff. When I would go over there before, I'd be, it's not I, so stressful. Yeah. And I, I cut so much weight too. Uh, even when I would go, I went to London and we went to go see Big Ben. I'm like, I, what I really remember is the because my head was down. I was just dragging my feet. <laughs> like, like how miserable it was. I'm like, how much weight were you cutting? I would say I weigh. 158 to 160 and i my weight class was 132 and so i mean that's a good 25 pounds and i'm i'm 158 training twice a day as lean as can be i i mean it's about as much as i could have possibly done and i actually don't think it was that beneficial i just knew i could make the team at that weight and uh moving up a weight class is fairly difficult and it's a, a long process even if i'm big enough to make the next weight which is 143 I need to put on a little bit of size to be able to handle that. And I need to be able to wrestle those guys. So it takes time. And if you're not ready to, to take your L's, uh, you should just stay down. So I went up in 2014, took fifth at the open was like, fuck that bag down. <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah. Cause if you're going up, you got to, if you go up, you got to put on 10 hard pounds of muscle. And it's got to, yeah. And it has to be like, you can put the weight on, but then it, some somewhere along the process it becomes like your actual weight if that makes sense yes you can weigh that but your body's not you don't feel like the true 
65 kilo guys until you're there for six months to a year. And I was too impatient for that. I said, the getting my hand, watching someone else get their hand raised is a lot more painful than cutting the 25. So I'll just keep not eating. <laughs> what, what was the time period of the 25 pounds? How long did that take? Uh, I mean, when I got good at it, it would take me six weeks, I would say, because yeah. I, I could lose, you know, the first seven or and pretty much immediately. And then, but there's a point where you get stuck and I yeah. do the same thing. So I eat the same amount of calories on my diet, but then I'll be stuck there for five to seven days. Like if I didn't do this early enough, I wouldn't make it. And then your body kind of levels out. It realizes that you're okay. You're not dying. You're not starving. You're giving it enough. Uh, and then it'll start to let the weight go again. And then you can actually end up making it and feel pretty good. I think that I had some issues in the late in the match, probably because I was cutting too much weight and guys were too good. I wasn't good enough at hand fighting back then. But uh, yeah, man, anything's possible. I could always make the weight. I don't know how yeah. well I'm going to perform, but I can make it. <laughs> you, could, you could do a good amount of suffering. What was the diet like as you were getting down there? So I, I did it a bunch of different ways. I did it healthy. You just played around a little bit. Yeah. I've made it for 10 years. So. Yeah. So I did it a bunch of different ways, but the best way I, the last two weeks I'd go on an all liquid diet and would just eat protein shakes. And, yeah. uh, and it, it, it doesn't, it's not that fun, but I had a little more energy cause there's a lot of calories in the protein and, uh, and I could drink while I was doing it. So I didn't feel as dehydrated, yes. even though I was, yeah, it's uh, like looking back to it, it's it's insane. Like I miss a meal now. I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is funny when you're talking about drinking. It takes me back to high school because I cut my senior year. I cut 48 pounds. I went from 218 down to 171. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, right? But I do remember <laughs> yeah. over over by like the men's locker rooms by the swimming pool where the swimming pool used to be. There was this badass water fountain that had like this super cool <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday I mean that water came out thick as a rope and it was ice cold and it had like dew all over it I would just go there to the point of not drinking I would just go fill my mouth up and spit it out in the sink for like 20 minutes over and over again I was like this yeah, is I awful, remember. This is awful. I remember the water fountain you're talking yeah, they they took it out Took it out. I went back this year and I was super disappointed. It's, it's just a board on a brick wall. Now there's no water fountain. I guess it busted a leak. That's hilarious. Heart, totally, totally heartbreaking. So you lose the weight weigh ins what day. And then when's the, is it weigh in on the same day as the match? A little different. So college is a one hour weigh in for dual meets, two hours for tournaments. And then freestyle was night before which made it okay. a lot better. That's better. I could really suck down. And then can you IV? You could, I didn't like it. Uh, I'd feel bloated and slow, but yeah. with, with 18 hours, I felt like Plenty I could, of time. yeah, I could get a lot of stuff that I'd call it anaconda mode. Then I just sit down. I couldn't move just in pain. <laughs> and then, just, <laughs> then you finally get up, you go for a jog, you start to feel pretty good again. Oh, so you started moving. Yeah. I have to move. If I didn't get up and do some sort of light jog after weigh-ins, I'd be kind of shot the next day. Yeah. Physically, what's harder? College wrestling, folk style wrestling, freestyle wrestling? Uh, so they're, 
they're different. And I've had extremely tough matches in both. Yeah. I mean, if you can control somebody. If you're better than somebody in folk style, you can ride a wrist and stall and make it look good and not have to work very hard. But yeah. if you're a grind match where you got to work all three positions, you got to really hold them down on top. You've got to fight to get away on bottom and then they're good on their feet too. It, it can be one of the toughest things. Um, and then the grueling thing about college is you compete so much. There's, you have 40 matches or so, and you probably have 30 weigh-ins throughout the year. It's just, it's brutal. Friday weigh-in, yeah. Sunday weigh-in. I'm wrestling oh. in the Big Ten. Everybody's a four-time state champ. Like, you got, you got guys that are one in 12, and they're four-time state champ from somewhere. I'm like, dude, I thought this was going to be a match-off. And the style of wrestling in the Big Ten is so heavy hand fight that uh, it's just a, the most it's grinding. A brawl. It's a brawl for six months. And if you watch the NCAAs and wrestling, everybody's hurt. You know, it's just like, yeah. so that's where you get your super toughness from. But the freestyle matchups, if you wrestle someone who's the same kind of good high pace and they're just that much better because it's the senior level now, now these guys are the best in the world, uh, that can be very exhausting as well. And so, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. They're all hard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're at a high level. It doesn't matter. It's draining. It's hard. Yeah. So I've had really hard matches in both. Why do some guys have more success when they get out of college folk style wrestling and go into the senior level? Yeah. So I it think seems like, it seems it, like that it, happens. It, it can be a, a, a different number of things for everybody. I had, my dad was a freestyle coach, so he was always focused on freestyle that was our favorite time of the year when the high school season was over and we got to go wrestle the better guys in the country and we got to wrestle freestyle you could throw somebody as hard as you want which was fun for a high school kid trying to yeah. see get the most five point throws in a day and um so i mean some people aren't good on the mat aren't good up on stand-ups and people ride them too often and they're just good on their feet that could be a big difference uh, it tends to favor freestyle tends to favor the more athletic guy because you can get a little yeah. more creative and you can put a ton of points up all at once. Uh, but I mean, it's some guys are really good on top and riding and they're just going to thrive in folk style. They, they don't cut much weight. And so they're better for that numerous weigh-ins. Uh, it could be a ton of different things, but this, the better athlete and the better wrestler will be better at freestyle. I think. Did you ever think about getting into MMA? Always, right? You have you have to cross your mind at some point. So yeah, um, I, I really love to wrestle though, and I was kind of coming into my prime from twelve to sixteen, and that's kind of I, I was so afraid of starting back over at zero and zero, like to yeah. go into MMA. You got to change sports. You don't know if you're going to be good. I really don't know the physical toll it's going to take on me getting hit in the head. So oh, yeah. a lot of question marks. My dad wanted me to wrestle. My wife didn't want me to fight. So, but I'm still like, I'm a fighter. Like I, people are like, yeah, but then you don't get punched in the head. And I'm like, well, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird, but it's true. I'm actually one of those guys that likes to get punched in the head. Like, oh, all right, well, let's go. <laughs> have you been, have you been punched in the face? And so, so we, uh, I, I mean, just outside of stupid scuffles on the street, right? That doesn't right. count. But, uh, yeah, so I started getting prepared to do that if I wanted to go that route. So yeah. from 12 to 16, my strength coach, Dustin Myers, um, he started putting me through striking. We hit the pads, and he just taught me some of his background in boxing. Um, so that was kind of fun and broke up the, the cross training as that can get monotonous, doing the same thing over and over. And um, 
so we did some striking and I learned a little bit. And now I have some guys that are Frankie Edgar trains with us. Corey Anderson's top five in the UFC. Those guys train their wrestling with us. And, uh, and so I can kind of relate to it a little bit better and help them out a little bit. Cause I know a little bit of striking, you know, very small sure. amount of striking, but at least I can kind of see how to transition from striking to takedowns a little bit different um, than just the average wrestling coach. So that's been pretty cool too. Tell but me about I, Dustin. Yeah, go I ahead. Actually, I never actually thought I was going to fight. I just, I think I wanted to, and I think it would have been cool because kind of the same thing, like guys who are good at, some guys are good at folk style. Some guys are good at freestyle. And you see some of the guys that transition well. I think my style would have transitioned well, but like I would have, could have, should have. I like where I'm at. I chose wrestling and it's been good for me. Yeah. Like there's a guy that wrestled at Purdue when I was there. There was just a fairly average wrestler overall in the college scheme, John Wong? Finch. You're talking about Wong? You... What? No, uh, uh, John Finch. Oh, Finch. Oh, okay. Because Juan Archuleta wrestled at Purdue. He's the oh, yeah. Bellator world champ right now. Well, yeah, he did all right. Yeah. And John, John, John went on to have a ton of success in UFC too. And when I first saw him fighting, I was like, wait a minute, this is the same wrestler that was pretty average overall. Right. And then he went and he's just tough as hell. And he liked getting hit in the face and right. he kept developing. He was yeah. just kind of a late bloomer. Yeah. Michael Chandler is in the UFC now. He's getting ready to make a run at the title. He's looking good. He was just, he was pretty good wrestler. Actually, he was very good. He was a couple time All-American, I think, maybe more. But he was a walk-on coming there. It's like some guys just thrive in that sport. Yeah. TJ Dillon was one of them. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. I saw t I saw TJ uh, win his first title. I think it was over Jose Aldo and live, live in Vegas. Live in Vegas. And it was the most fluid match that I ever saw. Right. Like somebody oh, transitioning so Barrio. well. And... Yeah, he beat Barrio, not Jose Aldo. There you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But I see, actually, I've been hit. I've been hitting the head thirty thousand times. You have it. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, man, that's cool. I train with TJ and Juan Archuleta. They train out in California, and so every once in a while, they Juan would come to me for wrestling, and then I went to them a couple times too. And and uh, I would like I'm better than him at wrestling, right? And so yeah. like, I would wrestle him. And TJ got frustrated one time, and he started like shadow throwing his hands in my face, and I. I was so scared. I was like, hey, don't, we don't need to do that. You would nice. win. You're way too scary. Let's go back to playing my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're here to wrestle, not here yeah. to – please please don't do that oh, Superman punch that you did. What that was, but you got to stop. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knock that off. I understand you're frustrated. That's part of the growing process here. <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to turn my back and walk away and get some water yeah. here. <laughs> Tell me about Dustin Myers. When did he become your strength coach? Oh, man. I think it was oh, maybe 2011, 2013, something, something around there. That last four or five years of my training, and he's been awesome. And we broke it up, the training uh, with the boxing a little bit, but we also broke it up with kind of our social media Humphrey challenge things that we've done. And so yeah. that, that kind of started our, both of our brands together doing these challenges and just trying to figure out the next thing. And it's crazy. Then so many people, our friends especially would make fun of us for asking to retweet this or like, Hey, can you do this challenge? And then uh, a month or two later, six months later, they all started doing the same thing we were doing. So it's like, 
and they I saw the blueprint. Yeah, right. Like, oh, this is working. And I started getting more camp opportunities. Uh, and, and if you look at way down the road, I got my my career from social media. So it's like it always like the next opportunity kept coming to me first instead of my friends, some of which who were better than me at wrestling. And it's like uh, so everybody started doing what we're doing. And and uh, and it worked out really well. And Dustin was a huge piece of that. And that's so people that don't know also a super cool follow. Dustin's a great follow old school gym. What's the town that it's in? Is that outside of Columbus? Ohio, Patasco. Yeah, I could, I've seen it. And I was like, I can't pronounce that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even going to attempt that, but it's, it's a real cool, the, the social media around it's super gritty. And it's like in this kind of cool, like half silo looking metal building. It's yeah, real rad, it's, real it's rugged. That, that grimy gym, we were lifting somewhere. I think we were at the NCAAs and we lifted at the hotel gym. He's like, man, it's not dirty enough in here. <laughs> <laughs> Started rubbing the ground to get his hands dirty so he could grip the weights better. I'm like, this dude is old school, but I love yeah. it. <laughs> he wanted some rust on the plates. He's like, what are, what are these rubber plates? We need some rust. Exactly. What's going on here? So what kind of training were you guys other than boxing, but what kind of lifting? What kind of... Yeah. program so that we, you put together and is that part of what has turned into freak athlete yeah so uh i would say like a little piece so we would do those challenges afterwards and that's more of what the freak athlete ebook is which is so what we broke down 24 skills that are stationary handstand backflip planche one-arm chin-up whatever you we've done over the years and we broke those down in the muscles you need to develop and Dustin wrote a strength program to develop the specific muscles. I did the technique on how we do the tricks and he did technique on some of his tricks that he does. And so you can actually learn how to become a freak athlete and do these things are su super like far fetched. When you first think of them, when you start yeah. breaking them down, uh, someone who is just a regular lifter or, or anybody can end up doing some of these skills. And we've seen some crazy progress through some of the people that have bought the ebook and it's been pretty cool to, to watch these guys grow like we did uh, back yeah. in the day. But the rest of our training, like in the beginning of when Dustin was coming around, we went so hard. We were both just super meathead trying to beat each other every day. And then yeah. I'd have to go to practice later and he would go to work later. And so like we'd be drained anyway, but he, we ended up toning it down, but it was like CrossFit on steroids. We were trying to kill each other. And, uh, it, and then we ended up trying to help each other after that. But, uh, yeah, in the beginning was some of the most tough, grueling workouts I ever did. And you got to remember that I'm wrestling at the elite level later in the day and I'm not eating. <laughs> <laughs> did it work? <laughs> it worked. It worked. And I remember one moment specifically, I won in the quarterfinals, had like fairly easy match, got off the mat, but like, my body wasn't handling the weight cut well. I was like sick, pale, puked. And then I had Logan Steeper in the semis. Oh, and yeah. my recovery was so good. I didn't have that much time. But since I felt like that physical, broken exhaustion so many mornings with Dustin, it was just another day. <laughs> it was just another day. And my body was like, all right, you feel horrible right now, but you'll be okay in an hour. And then I was, which I don't think I would have had if we didn't do those crazy workouts. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the trust and the confidence, you know, as earlier you were talking about your dad trust, he gave you confidence that you could beat him. And it's like, Hey, you do all that work, you beat yourself down. And ultimately I think the work 
gives you the confidence that you can handle whatever is going to come at you. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And it, it comes from the confidence normally comes when the work has already been done. Yeah. And I'm not super, I'm not scared. Like I know I'm going to get tired in a six minute match. It's so crazy. It's so short, but it's so exhausting. It's so but tiring. It's People so don't even understand. They're like, it's only six minutes. And I'm like, you've never been more tired in your life than that six minutes. Yeah, and and the, as they get better, the more exhausted you get because everybody's holding position better. You can't get to your ties. You can't do anything to these guys who are very good. But if you put the work in, you can, you can convince yourself that you can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. It's a, it's a tough mental and physical game we're playing. It, and the, the best thing about it, and this is, I highly encourage all parents out there who are listening to get your kids into wrestling. The, to me, the single best thing, one, the grit, the resilience, the work, how tired you get all that. There's no escaping with blaming other teammates. It's all you, you have to accept total responsibility for your conditioning, for your technique, for the way you performed under pressure, you on that mat and you either getting your hand raised or you're not getting your hand raised and there's nobody to blame, but you dude. And that to me is the greatest thing. It's like, and, and I think wrestlers do a better job than anybody yeah. of accepting responsibility for their outcome than right. every other athlete. Kind of what the world needs, right? Yes. Especially, yes. Especially the more 2020 2021 Ugh. people are getting soft and they're pointing a the finger at everywhere else but themselves and yeah if, if you keep doing that in wrestling you will just keep getting your ass beat over and over and uh until you quit really because <laughs> yeah you won't make it in wrestling if you are looking somewhere else all the time and yeah being the only one out there it's scary it's uh it's exhausting so you're worried about that you're worried about winning and losing but you're worried about you doing it. And that's why we work so hard because we, that feeling of is coming. <laughs> you're going to be the only one standing out there soon. And so, uh, yeah, wrestlers, wrestlers are a, a different breed, but I think it's what the world needs. You need to get we need to hold on to, we need to hold on to our wrestlers, man, but yeah. you're a hundred percent, you're a hundred percent right. Because it does feel like that's where we're at is everybody's looking for somebody to do something for them. Change yeah. this help here, do this. Like, well, what have you done today to set yourself up four years from now for success, right? What, right. Whatever happened to putting in daily little habits and grinding on the day-to-day -day and then four years from now, 10 years from now, yeah. look where you're going to be. But it's yeah. like, hey, if it didn't work in four days, well, that, that wasn't worth it. I'm quitting. Yeah. Like, somebody help me. Yeah. You know, it's like, you put, the, put the yeah, damn put, effort in. The positive is it's so easy to get ahead now. Cause nobody's it's doing true. anything, you know, if you do anything, everyone's like, wow, good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. You've really got your stuff together. Got it together. You responded to that email right away. <laughs> oh man. Isn't that hilarious? Like, Crazy. wow. Thanks for the response. That one always blows me away. Like what do other people do? They just let it sit in the inbox. Yeah. Which oh, is, man. I don't even like that. What's that all about? You still got to yeah. do it. <laughs> you got to do it. You might as well do it now. That's what I'm saying. That's, That's it. All right. So if I get the freak athlete program, okay, I'm two 30. I'm fairly lean. My, my goal that I told my kids last night was I want to, at some point be able to do a flag, you yeah. know, on a pole. Uh huh. Is this going to be possible? 
I don't know. Do do you take me through a flag? <laughs> yes, of course. I, I really I'm do. Strong. I'm lean. I, I'm strong. You're lean. You got it. You got it, man. It's a little. I don't know. But how often do you train this side of your body? Your open yeah. and your serratus anterior ever, right? Ever. You're, you're no. not doing that. So how? And then you probably jump up on a pole every once in a while. Like ah, I can almost do that. If you train it a little bit, you can do it. All right. Like because you don't. People don't do it. They just don't yeah. do those little muscles, the stability muscles. People don't, they don't spend any time doing them. And then they try and jump up. And I mean, even when I do it, if I've trained it, it'll hurt. It's going to rip you apart because it's hard. Right. Yeah. And then, but I mean, over time it becomes easier and easier. And then, uh, then you've built those muscles up and it's like anytime I could do that whenever I want. Cause I'm just, I got, I've built them up enough that they didn't forget, yes. you know? And Dude, I think I've crossed the barrier mentally where I know I'll do it sometimes I'll be unprepared and it will kind of rip my side up. <laughs> You're like, Oh Lord, <laughs> why do I do this shit? <laughs> but cause uh, it's fun. Cause it's fun. Right. Cause when you like, do it, it's like getting hit in the face. Yeah. If it's ever windy out and I find a good thing to grab, <laughs> I go, well, it's so windy out here. Woo! So you gotta be able, you gotta be able to do things. Other people can't do. It's awesome. And then the one arm pull up. So I got two things. I'm going to buy the ebook. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be working on two things, the one arm pull up. I love doing pull ups, and yeah. then the uh, the flag. The one arm pull up is a whole different beast than the flag. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's gonna happen. I, it's I uh, just trying to do the one arm negative is uh is extremely humbling, for one. Yeah. But it's like it's same thing. Like you you train so often here and here, but in the middle and extended like nobody has this muscle this is one that yep. just takes a long time but if i start from here i got a much better shot which is definitely something that people will catch their eye if you could pull off one of those so I, I mean, it's it's in the realm of possibilities but that is definitely one of the tougher tricks on on in the whole ebook all right so i'm gonna have to work my way up to that i gotta I need to get my wings. Got to get a little bigger. Well, yeah, you got them though. <laughs> I, I may. I got some wings. I may need to shrink down my body a little bit yeah, more. So that's that's one where I've only been able to do it clean when I'm uh, when I'm down to weight. So got to be light. Because I'm already lean, but if I lose that extra twenty, I'll fly right up there. All right, watch this. Nice. <laughs> How have you managed to stay in shape after it's all done? Because I know a lot of wrestlers kind of have that gluttonous binge eating. Yeah. Disordered eating almost. How have you been able to keep that at bay? Yeah, I don't know if I, it's just who I am, but I don't really like to eat. You know, it's like I'm art. I, I just don't, my body doesn't handle it very well. And I don't know if that's from 15, 20 years of cutting weight. It's like every time I, if I try and eat anything bad, I immediately try and eat the littlest amount of it because I know yeah. it's, <laughs> yep. that equals work later that I have to do. So I don't know. And so I eat just generally pretty healthy. Um, I think that's just kind of what I like, but also I have that in the back of my head that bad food is bad. It means I got to work it off later. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't know, man, my diet's good. I work out twice a day. I'm just, I'm going to be lean for a long time. It's just what I enjoy doing. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, I'm on the mats five times a, a week, six times a week. And, I don't know if there's a better cardio than that. And it, it's super easy for me to do because I truly enjoy it. I love yeah. getting on the mat. I can't stay, sit on the side and watch, not just yet. Um, and I mean, it's just physically tolling. I'm, and I'm just, I'm 
I like to work out. I like to eat right. Yeah. I don't eat that much. That's how I stay in shape. There. Yeah. And it's kind of that habit system that you built in thinking, okay, bad food equals more work. Don't right. do that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, and by the way, wrestling to the greatest strength, I, th- you said cardio, but I think from a, a strength, like a natural strength type feel, like I was small in the NFL, but I was, I had all that wrestling strength and weird planes and yeah. with odd leverage and your feet are not necessarily right, but you could right. still hold point. Like that to me, wrestling is this dynamic fluid resistance. That's, it's like swimming with more resistance. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to look at it. It's for one, it's position, right? You're in position. If your head's up, your back straight, you're in balance, but it's also when you get off balance, wrestlers are some of the strongest from head to toe where we have the best ability to flex randomly. We just know how to do it. Right. We've done it for so long to get back into those stronger positions, even when you are off balance. It's, it's a, it's fun. I enjoy it. Reese, this has been awesome. Tell me where people can follow you and learn more about everything you got going on. Yeah. So highlight Humphrey on Instagram, highlight hump on Twitter, highlight Humphrey on TikTok. I do TikTok. I'm not that old. That's hey man. Like (laughs) your buddies probably make fun of you, but they're going to be there. Yes. it, it, It works out for me. Um, and then youtube.com slash highlight Humphrey. You can check out some of the family vlogs that I do. I've been going around to different places and vlogging our experience, which has been fun to do with the kids. They're getting to that age to where, uh, I'm going to start pitching a reality show here soon with my boy doing doubles and triples, my daughter doing gymnastics and whatever else she gets into. So hopefully we can pick that up at some point, but, uh, all socialists, man. And, uh, hope to see you guys there. Hey, what happened on Twitter? Why is it highlight hub? Why couldn't you get the full last name in there? The character thing. I, I can't have that many characters on Twitter. Come on, Twitter. Get your, <laughs> Twitter's, Twitter's such a nasty place anyway. You don't need to be on Twitter. Twitter's freaking vile, man. Exactly. Like, I, I prefer Instagram. It's a happy place it is. overall. Yeah. yeah. It, Twitter's different. It's funny like that. <laughs> Twitter's it's mad. tough over there with their Twitter fingers. <laughs> yeah you're like come on try me bro yeah you, you know where to find me hey uh give the best to your wife and kids tell them i love following them and say hi to your dad and brother for me please i will man appreciate you having me on hey reese that was awesome thank you thanks bro all right see ya